Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Alert The Stand. You are here today with Ease McKenzie and Nick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we just wanted to do like a quick 20 minute episode just to go through some of the questions we were asked for season one. And um, we know we said last episode would be our last episode, but we thought we'd just give you a, a quick treat just to get re you ready for the new season. But Nick, shoot away with the first question and we will answer it straight away. Question. So here is the first question by at it's the silent G on Twitter. Um, hey guys, I'm wondering what you think of platforms like NPR, Tiny Zest concerts, color shows, and um, mahogany sessions. So one, which is your favorite performance? And two, do you think these platforms are becoming more important than SNL, Jimmy Kimmel, etc.? So I'll let you two answer first because I read the question out. I'm just going to have to think too. Okay. This is a very, very good question. I'm actually excited to hear this, to answer this actually. Um, I love NPR's Tiny Desk concerts. I love Colors of Love Mahogany. If you follow me on Instagram, from time to time, I definitely post some of those performances. Like, I fucking love, I love them. To answer the first question, my, my favorite NPR Tiny Desk, um, it probably would be Anderson Pack um, or Tyler the Creator. Those two probably my top two NPRs. My favorite colors, probably Denzel himself, Melty or Mahali is sober. Mm. Um, and do I think they're more important than Jimmy Campbell or SNL? Not yet, because obviously there's no promotion like television promotion. And these obviously are great platforms and they're obviously, you know, they're on TV. So like any and everyone is watching them. Whereas mm -hmm. with colors, NPR, that's content you are seeking. It's mm. not right in front of you. You have to go look for that. But I do think platforms like that are on the rise and they're so important because unlike Jimmy Kimmel and SNL, even Graham Norton and for the UK, Jennifer Ross, um, it's mainly those platforms you, well, NPR can be for any artist really, no matter how, how established you are or up and coming you are. Whereas Colors generally is an upcoming newer artist platform. It's not going to have established artists on there. Mm. Well, to an extent, it depends who they are, but when someone like Jimmy Kimmel is for the big general major label stars or new stars who obviously have that backing. So no, I think they're very important. And I hope more platforms like that come in the next couple of years. But no, NPR and Colors is, I love, 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 love them, love them. And NPR have great editorial too. Um, so in terms of the question, that's, a, for me, that's really tricky. Can I, I'll start at the end. So in terms of if the online platforms are better than the TV platforms, that's why I think that um, the Silent G is asking. I definitely think it's the future. So obviously people are shifting more towards using online than they are watching television. I, I think we're actually at the stage where people use the internet more than they watch TV now. So I do think that's the case, but equally at the same time, I still feel like there's some kind of magical element of someone being on that show. Uh, whereas on Tiny Desk, it's more for like new and upcoming artists, but then there's some established artists as well. Um, I think it's a... Oh, sorry, sorry. Quick interruption. Erica Badu is in... Her NPR was fucking amazing. Yeah, that was really good. And amazing. so was Matt Miller's. Yeah. Matt Miller's was with Thundercat. Yeah, yes. that was really good. Yes. Um, there was also... Oh, who else did one? Oh, there was a rapper. She was... Oh, what was her name? Was it No Name? Hers was amazing. No, it wasn't No Name. Oh, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, off the top of my head, I can't remember most of the Tiny Desk that I love for some reason. In terms of colours, I've discovered so many amazing artists from, um, from colours, but I do love Mahalia's. I do love Gold Links. Um, I do love, uh, what is that? Snow Allegra's. Um, I do love, who else? 
I can't think of any more of the top. What, are you going to say something? Oh, I think I'm... Yeah, I'm going to say something. What, she can't? Go on, go on, go on. Uh, but yeah. about my But yeah, to answer your last question, I do think that eventually online will be more important, but we need to have that show that everyone kind of goes on online. I don't think that's there yet, personally. It's multiple, yeah. Um, it's like, a yeah, it's multiple. But yeah, Nick. So my favourite from this year, I'll say that I love NPR, love Colours, all of that. Um, really good platforms for shows case and talent and just different ways for promotion for newer artists who don't have the accessibility to late night shows as well. So um, it's really good. And I think it shows different dynamics of them. So someone who killed it on Colours this week was Rico Nasty. Loved it. Um, she did it like last week and stuff. And it just wraps up a really incredible year. She made Forbes. She did work with Tay Keith, which had an incredible year as well. Just got number one with Travis. Had like a five-page um, spreading crack magazine. Yep. Like he's just, incre- just incredible. Like Rico is incredible this year. And she's laid really good foundations. If Atlantic diversify their attention, they may be able to help her get to a new level next year. But great for a mum at like 20 fucking one or two years old. What the hell? Like killing it like this. Great. Um, Saba, NPR this year. Fucking phenomenal. Yes, yes, Wraps up an yes. incredible year. An incredible album. His album's on my top 10 of the year. Um, killed it. Killed it. Like killed it as an artist completely um i'm really big fan of his really big fan but did we answer the question was it only those two so just basically tiny desk versus uh late night platforms yeah so i just i i answered it in saying that yeah i feel like it's a unique platform for newer artists and stuff like that oh yeah sorry do i think it's more important do i think it's becoming more important um no like i'm gonna be really in really blunt here like not in comparison to promotional techniques and all of Mm. that um it may we can change the skew a bit and say it's important in terms of showing artists diversity diversity and versatility because you get more in-depth moments than just the three four minute standard that you usually get on the late night shows um, unless they're specials of the late night shows um but in terms of promotional techniques and in integral strategy, not really. Like, it's not really at this point. Um, but the industry is diversifying slowly um, and the independence rise is coming up too. So maybe these platforms will show a different role, yeah. a more important role, but in a different way in the years to come. But right now, no. But I, I, just to add to that, I was just thinking about it. And I also think it's because with... TV, you don't just get music heads tuning into it, so you can diversify um, people's palettes when it comes to the artists that's on there. Whereas with Tiny Desk and um, Colors, you do mainly get people who are interested in music going on there. Like I said, Um, they're looking for it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's because it's keyword searches versus what's scheduled on TV. So. And it's a it's a prime slot as well where most people are watching TV. So yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah, but they're in my opinion better in my opinion yeah yeah but um that's those two questions yeah thank you it's the silent g great questions um so casey shout out kent gang 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 um hi guys i just want to say that i completely love that's pod um it's enjoyable listen you're all extremely knowledgeable passionate and articulate and i genuinely think that you've created something special thank you so much for that first of all on to the question i was someone who found that listening to tyler the creator as a preteen completely opening my up my musical mind to darker more twisted lyrics and uh, then i'd been exposed to and sonically 
a set of sounds that I'd never heard before in songs such as Bastard, Sarah Analog, I would agree in that sense. My question is, do you have any artists that you would feel transform the way you listen to music and the kind of sounds and music that you listen to? Casey, I know it's an in-depth question, kind of a bit of a thing. Um, I have one, but I, I, feel like, I feel like there's another artist I can say that for the... I want to say Solange, but I feel like there's another one I want to say... Don't know. Uh, no, let me think about that. That's a really tough question. I'm trying to not do the thing where I just name big artists who have influenced who have influenced me. Um, no, I, but I think they mean. I think what I mean is, I think the question is: Is there an artist that it's a gateway? That it, gate was a gateway to other artists, others around other sounds. And Solange definitely is one of those for me. But I just want to. I don't know if. Trying to go with her straight away. I think um, I, I, I like to use recent examples just because it kind of um, it helps. Um, I think this year, um, I would say that um, there's two artists that spring to mind. It's not really on a, it's more on a superficial level, but Buddy this year helped me just be unapologetically black, if that makes sense, and like really love that loudness of just I'm black I'm going to appreciate it fuck what you think and Vince Staples did that for me as well like in terms of just being reckless and carefree with your art um Tierra Whack as well she's got very good lyrical content um and really twisted concepts so I, I think she's made me branch out a little bit into other artists as well so you yeah. know what I'm going to say Solange and I, it's come from it's come from two different Platforms. So back in the days of MySpace. So for guys, for people who aren't aware, Solange wasn't, she's been dope for like 11 years. I know there's a lot of you newbies out there when a seat at the table came out and came to the table with her. But no, if you were there from Solo Star, Soul Angel on the Hadley Street Dreams, True, she's been dope for years. So when her second album came out in 2008, um, on her MySpace page, she had like a long ass list of influences, and I remember because I was so obsessed of that album that I was re- I re- went and listened to a bunch of these random like electronic artists and older Motown artists, so like Zero Seven and Thievery Corporation and Boards of Canada, who I love to this day. So like I know I'm like wow. an, I'm an R and B head, I'm hip hop head, but there are some other random genres that I like and yeah my my love of John Mayer comes from listening to Solange so that that's the first phase of Solange introduced me to new sounds but also with her platform Saint Huron which is oh my, yeah which is one of my favorite websites with the um, compilation album she um, curated and the website she has shown me how diverse the R&B sound can be like a lot of R&B artists that I fuck with now and just R&B sounds that I fuck with now are because of that website so that is where I found Kella. That's where I found Amano Mari. That is where I found India Sean. That is where I found um, Moses Sumney. Mm. And like, so, yeah, no, definitely Solange in, from St. Huron and her MySpace page. Definitely. She's introduced me to so many. Oh, Fiona Apple. Oh, my God. Fiona fucking Apple. One of my favorite. Her first album title is incredible. She's like an alternative pop, mm. baroque, rock kind of girl from the 90s. Incredible songwriter, musician, pianist. Yeah, no, my love from her comes from Solange too. 
Okay. So yeah, definitely Solange. I've had time to think about this actually. And I was going to say Duran Bernard because he kind of, he, he helped me be more experimental with the type of music that I listen to. Um, and he kind of introduced me to a few underground YouTube singers. Um, but now I'm thinking about it. If I go way back, so this is way back to secondary school, and I hope this makes sense, and it's going to be a bit weird, but Paramore? So Paramore for me was like my first time venturing outside of black music, like in terms of what was accepted and what wasn't accepted. Um, and I was a massive fan of Riot. It was actually, I think it was the first CD I actually bought. It was either that or Neo's... Um, in my own words. Yeah, in my own words. It was one of those two. And Paramore for me was an introduction to all of these indie bands like um, uh, Two Door Bicycle Club, Two Door, two door Cinema Club, and Bombay Bicycle Club. Um, all of these kind of indie bands. And that's how I got onto Lost Profits, how I got onto um, Ooh, the Lost 19... Profits Yeah, but one of those is Peter Farnell, so. Oh. Um, the 1975, um, all of these kind of like... Lost Profits, yeah, throwback. Yeah, bang. Rooftops was a banger. Bang, bang. Um, yes. Guitar Hero, yes. had Monsoon, whoever that was by, that was a banger. Um, but yeah, in terms of venturing outside of what was conventionally accepted, because in secondary school, I didn't listen to rap. I wasn't allowed to listen to rap when I was growing up. My parents wouldn't allow me to listen to it. Um, so I had to find alternatives when it came to music. So they were kind of like safe options and stuff like that. And in secondary, I listened to a lot of rock and I was kind of ostracized for being the person who listened to like rock and pop music and stuff like that. Um, and Paramore was kind of an introduction to a new side um, because Hayley Williams collaborated with a lot of, well, not a lot of, but she collaborated with rappers. She kind of experimented with her sound quite a lot. I used to be a fan of The Sims and you could play, they had a lot of Paramore songs on that. So Paramore for me was a great introduction, in short. Nick? I've answered it. So um, next question. Did you answer it? No, I didn't. Yeah, like I just said the artist that um, inspired me this year. Like, so I said Tierra Wack and I said Buddy. Oh, Who yeah, yeah, yeah. you to though? I said oh. he said it already he said it already yeah I said it already I cannot be bothered to <laughs> like it's so long um okay so the question is from Edna Mode on Twitter uh the most I wanted to know sorry all of your opinions on artist development in 2018 and 19 the most visible example for me right now is Normani and how RCA slash Keep Cool are really taking their time to position her as a solo artist and releasing singles here and there with a few one two features so the main question do you think the artist development and putting time into album promo can still thrive in an age where there is a a short attention span with a focus on playlists slash singles culture and b short-lived post-release album hype that's the question so i can reread it if you guys need it uh, she's basically asking can artists stand among the no, artist development and putting time into album promo can still thrive in the age where there's short attention span and the focus on playlists and single culture. That's the first question. So I'm let's gonna answer that. I'm going to start with no. I think the reason why Nomani is a good example is is because she, she, she's already in the public psyche. We already have, we've been with her for a good four or five years. She's not an unknown person. Mm-hmm. I feel like artist development can work, but just don't just don't release anything from them work with them behind the scenes work with them behind closed doors then put them out but you can't the days are gone of where you can see an artist grow like that publicly in the in the in the 
public sphere. Public sphere. Those those days are gone now, and it's it's severely lacking. There's so many artists that need um, <laughs> artist development, and there are so many artists in general who are just being put up, put put on and being given opportunities because of clout and virability, like that stupid. Don't come so fast, guy. Um, Ferdy, whatever his name is. So I'm gonna say no. I don't think it can thrive in 2019, and I wish it did because what I loved about Barry Gordy in the Motown era it was that he was very rigorous on image, not image, quality control. It's not in terms of even in terms of just about because he had this rule where every song that came out of um, Hitsville, USA, as it was called, it had the potential to be a top ten single every song that was released but even outside of that he was very big on making sure all his artists were sharp on stage their vocals were on point their dance points were on step their media training Mm -hmm. like he touched all aspects we need and obviously it shows like the amount of incredible artists that came from the Motown machine Mm -hmm. you know the Jackson 5 Stevie Wonder Marvin Gaye Diana Ross the Vandellas Tina Marie Boys to Men Erica Badu like it just shows so that is me. Nick, do you want to answer? So I feel like the first part of the question, A, so where we're on, we're on part A, is that um, I feel like in this music era, the music business, I just feel like there's um, almost a... You don't need it. Like, you don't need artist development. Like, it's it's really sad to say, but you don't need artist development. You know, you've got your duo Leapers, which can't perform to save her life on stage. I don't give a fuck what any of you have to say. She can't. Um, and there's many other examples of that. Scissor, you know, perfect example. And she has even had elements of artist development as she as um, TDE have kept her, you know, um, behind the scenes for so long, even though there were EPs and stuff released. But there were elements in her interviews you can hear of certain artist development, but it, it just wasn't the right technicalities and stuff, in my opinion. Um, I think that it would be nice to see, but I don't think in this market, being artist developed versus not being artist developed have the same weighting. So it doesn't increase your chances. Like you don't, anyone can get it. Anyone can win these days. Um, I've been in exclusive settings where people have said from labels, it's about number ones. That's it. Mm -hmm. Nothing else matters. It's about number ones. It's about the charts. And that's in this country and abroad. There's evidence across the spectrum. Are there people like Tunji in the industry who's an A&R who care about, um, for RCA, by the way, who care about um, artist development? Yep, there are. Um, Do they try and push the industry forward? Yep, they do, but in a, a a market where people can come from SoundCloud, in a market where people can come from Spotify, um, without necessarily, yeah, without necessarily having a manager or someone who's helping them in that respect, it's not a thing. These artists perform without choreography in the pop arena. These artists in R and B sometimes without choreography perform without and correct pitch without pitch and you know choreography mm. can be one thing because the song may not require it and and, not, and a not everyone's a dancer so it's not by force ashanti you know um but um you know frank gatson you know people like that in the industry really respected that that aspect of artist and development and it's just a shame that it's it's not a thing anymore the principles of music are all skewed um from its contempt uh, from its classical sense and from its um 
it, it's it's historical perspective but it's just the era we're in will it make a comeback we don't know because we didn't know a trap was going to come we didn't know half of these things were going to be here so we didn't know the soundcloud era was going to happen but that's my part answer to part a and it's actually good that you ended on that because i was going to start with how technology is changing with the times mm. um that just to kind of talk about quickly will i am was on a article recently where he was talking about um the movement of music but also how he expects in a few years there's going to be a algorithm or a program like a that can emulate a trap rapper or a uh, um mumble rapper um and i completely agree mm-hmm. um speaking on will i am he also said in an interview of oprah that um he doesn't think so this is just on a wide spectrum of humanity versus technology he doesn't think that technology will ever um, be better than humanity the one worry he has is if we're exactly the same now versus technology in the future mm. so it's the same for the music industry um, we're going to have to find new ways and all of this viral entertainment with Ferdy coming fast um, Osh um, Maye Joye even to an extent even to an extent no we're not talking about him even to an extent Michael Dapper um, and his adventures they're all experiments for how the music industry is going to change um, Spotify for example is allowing people to upload straight away you've got Tierra Wack who's, uh, who's playing with um, the length of songs and uh, a Tension spans when it comes to that as well. I think the new artists are going to be prepared. Releasing two albums in one year. Yeah, but also because if you think about it, the the next generation of artists are people who will have the low attention span, who will have the short attention span. So I do yeah. think that in the future, and the managers, the new artists, the new managers that are coming across as well, all of the new labels and the artist managements are going to be people from the generation with the short attention span. Mm. So there will be new ventures. There will be no social, new social medias. There'll be new. Um, technology to benefit that and that's personally and not to plug myself but why music tech is one of the most crucial um, media industries out there the way that it's going to change and the way we're going to interact with music is going to be incredible can i just say one thing as well which i've actually missed out so a, a concrete proof in music industries worldwide that this uh the a and r and the artist development doesn't matter as much okay let's take ourselves out the west for a minute let's take ourselves to asia where they have holograms performing and people paying for them that's a testament to the fact that you don't need you don't need any of these things anymore certain markets will usurp and literally pay for whatever mm. so that market consumes virtual concerts in high concerts in high rotation. Mm. Um, it's a lucrative market. And it's coming to the West too. It's coming to the West too. I mean, we didn't like Tupac on stage, but they're force feeding that that narrative and into the West. Prince, so in, Prince, but Amy Winehouse. Yeah, so it's coming. But maybe our generation and our the Western world will be. Um, less receptive to it but over time I think there will be a concept for that um, there's literally factories for artists in uh, Korea Korea and stuff yeah. and actually that contradicts my point because it is artist development so the the virtual side they have that but then they have the factories that mass produce but they're mass producing the same product so it's the same iteration of an artist it's not diversity mm. it's the same artist so you know, music is changing, man. But artist development in its old concept, mm. no, I don't think it's that relevant. And I just want to add one more point. a and will be AI in the future. So AIs yeah. will be able to look at an algorithm of, let's say, viability on um, social media. And then people will get signed on that basis. But that's not what A&R is, though. So A&R can never be AI. Why is that? Because A&I, A&I, A&R, regardless of how technology continues to use of the industry, you have to have, 
you have to use your brain you have to be able to see and pick out different things like you have to think about what producers will work with this artist what sounds work with this artist what kind of artist can we use as a template to but that's all metadata that can be downloaded to an AI you can't do that why can't that's you in, that's instinctive that's feeling what, like, what's feeling like you can hear like you see, you see a like a singer or a rapper and you can kind of have a vision for them and see what directions they can go down the possibilities all you need for that is the res- yeah. the demographic of the people who listen to it so no but if they're brand new unknown artists how are you going to do that i feel like no, you, no, i think so you guys, when you're saying in relation to they have to do it to an artist that's already been out there so you're saying that let me try and understand your point you're saying that you have to connect like A&R's their job is basically to connect you with like producers and producers and stuff like that as well all you need for that is to look at the main demographic that listen to a particular sound so that's metadata that you can download into an ai program connect to an artist and say okay so this demographic they seem to like 808s versus um more classical instruments or folk sounds or whatever okay but But i think i think what shop is the debate what i'm getting from the debate is human versus technology does that human gut instinct have a better read than the ar program and the, the technology that's what I'm getting because gut, like, uh, okay a, so gut instinct is usually an algorithmic perception so when you have gut instinct you've taken in your surroundings you've looked at what's around you and you've made an assumption of what can work and you've made a decision but you said even with art of a similar sound so let's say you know there's been a few artists that have come through with new sounds so what you can do with an artist a brand new artist unknown who has a sound you've never heard before how are you going to A&R them based on AI because you have no okay, foundation so you I, have I no example I won't get into or. okay so I won't get in that conversation because that can go on for ages because that will open the topic of if you can create a completely new genre because I'm not saying genre but a sound well it, that's that's a thing because what is a new sound okay when, when Prince came out in the 80s yeah. he had a vastly different sound to anything that had been seen in black music before but if we look it at what, a genre but if we look at what Prince is and I know we're strapped for time if we look at what Prince is Prince is a amalgamation of rock he's an amalgamation of neo soul neo soul wasn't a thing back then no no but you know what no I'm talking about now terms we would use now so okay so okay. I wouldn't say that anyway okay he's an amalgamation of rock amalgamation of soul he's an amalgamation Funk of Funk and pop yes and they're all things that exist and if you want to put an AI program out there that can combine all of that and see if it works with a demographic that is possible because it's metadata so there's certain things that people can look at for my characteristic to see I listen to pop I listen to R&B, I listen to rap, I listen to soul, neo-soul, and all of those categories. If there was one artist that blended all those things, I would probably listen to them. And that's metadata you can download. But that's... We'll we'll leave that for another discussion. I don't know. Sorry, we got there somehow. But guys, listen. We answered your questions. Thank you very much for being with us. We'll see you in season two. Love you. Appreciate you. And that is all. Thank you, guys. (laughs)